Have a seat, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. <clears throat> so as people filter in, I, um, I just wanted to start by saying I'm pretty nervous giving this talk for a few reasons. <clears throat> and um, one is I'm really not an expert at all on this subject, and there are many experts actually in our congregation that are much better at this than I am. So that's one. Um, two, I'm nervous because last time I was up here giving the adult meeting, during the adult meeting, something tragic happened, and it caused the church to be in an uproar, and of course, as the speaker, I had no idea, but there was this helicopter crash, and a very famous basketball player and his daughter and, and others died during the talk. So I'm a little nervous. I hope this one goes well. I hope it goes better than, than last time. So um, <clears throat> Today, actually, we're going to discuss a topic on parenting. And like I said, I'm certainly not an expert. I'm every single day, I feel like I'm not the best parent. So certainly, I don't want this to be a talk that people think is coming from somebody who's an authority on this subject. As a matter of fact, we're trying in the adult meeting now <clears throat> to start making like a series, right? So sometimes we've, you know, we've heard from you guys that, uh, that some of you may prefer to have a, a series of talks on a subject um, because sometimes it felt like it was a little bit open-ended or a one-time talk. Uh, and these ideas of what to talk about um, in a series we thought there's the topic of raising our kids and parenting is a great topic because no matter if you haven't had kids but intend to, all the way to you have adult children and grandkids, this topic is still quite applicable. So, <clears throat> so we're going to try it, and hopefully we can, um, if we get feedback from you guys that this is something we want to talk about more, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it and make, make other... Uh, make other, um, you know, times where we can talk about it more. So, again, I'm really not a subject expert on this. The, the idea of speaking to a group about parenting, um, I mean, there's exhaustive um, resources out there about parenting, Christian parenting, Orthodox Christian parenting. Um, there's people that have written extensively both in the church and outside the church. <clears throat> from biblical times to saints and fathers and mothers of the, you know, ancient days all the way to the more modern speakers. If you just go online, you're going to find lots of resources on it. So obviously, we're not going to be able to hit all the topics, but today we're just going to cover a couple of things. I don't have slides. I'm not a person who uses a lot of these PowerPoint slides, so I'm hoping that you guys don't mind that. Um, <clears throat> And uh, so there's a few things when we talk about parenting, or we talk about things that affect how our kids turn out. Um, obviously, there, this could be is a, quite a broad topic, and one of the things we talk about in the church especially is, you know, what's, you know, what's our role as parents? Um, part of it, which we won't talk about today, is modeling, right? So how do we model a good, good Christian life righteous life, life of virtue for our children. 
So that's a, a big, broad topic in of itself. The other thing is the environment in the home, right? Like, what's, what's the home environment like? How does that affect how children turn out? Um, that's another, again, big, broader topic. Um, actually going into the subject of spiritual training, like what is it that we're actually going to do to make sure our kids, you know, pray, read the Bible, fast, uh, participate in the sacraments, come to church, all of that. Those are, again, huge other topics. But to maybe begin the discussion, um, we need to kind of ask, you know, why is it that it's such a common concern for parents in the church, right? Why, why is that? So we all have these questions. So what do we worry about and struggle with as it relates to our kids? That's a big question on a lot of couples' minds. Uh, what is asked of us by God specifically as it relates to raising our kids? I mean, do we really know? Do we really know what God is asking of us? When I am, when my days are done and I am facing my maker in, in, on my judgment day, what is he going to ask of me, particularly as it relates to my children? Because he is going to say something about that. It's not just going to be, I gave you this wonderful gift of children. Okay, there's going to be, there's going to be, <clears throat> because there are commands as it relates to that. And so, you know, is he going to judge me if my children turn out to be very corrupt individuals? people that don't know him, far away from him? Is that going to be on my neck? That's a good question to ask. Um, where can I get instructions to help me along this way? That's another question. Um, <clears throat> what's the most important thing in raising kids? We just talked about a whole bunch of different things. Is there one more important than the other? That's an, a really good question. Um, and where do you learn... <clears throat> to model good virtues for, for your kids if you yourself are not feeling it. You're not a person who really prays out loud. You like to pray only privately, only away from other people. You don't want to pray in front of others. How's that going to work when you want your kids to see prayer? Um, and then what's the role of parents in the church here. You know, we all bring our kids to church. Do we have a role while they're here with us? Is it something that we need to talk about, you know, with our spouse, other parents? Is it a topic that we should just deal with at home? Um, and can good parents actually raise, you know, bad kids? Or can parents that really are not engaged in parenting at all, have wonderfully balanced, virtuous, righteous children? And are there good excuses for us for not being able to parent very well? So these are all, and, and the list goes on, right? So I have written a bunch of questions that we all come up with. And it's not a topic, again, that is, um, <clears throat> can be covered in its entirety, you almost have to, like, so somebody can say, question like, what if my kids don't listen to me? Well, that's not answerable in a one-on-one, -on -one, like, like a, what if my kids don't listen to me? We need to have a broad 
perspective of some other things before that. So one of the things we're going to talk about today is parenting styles. And parenting styles is something that um, is based on psychological research that was done decades ago. There's very famous work that was done out of Berkeley on this. But really, um, some folks looked at a bunch of children, lots of children, when they were very young, as they got older, and they evaluated them and to see what kind of people they turned out to be, and then what were their parents like and what was the home like. And that was described. And <clears throat> there are many parenting styles, but it sort of comes down now to four different types of parenting styles, and we'll talk about them. But before we get into that, from a biblical standpoint, there are certain things that we need to accept as parents. First and foremost, all of us, all of us would love and sacrifice anything for our children. That's true. At the heart of it, we can joke around, we can say a lot of things, but that's really true. And that comes from God. Because God gave us our children as a, as a gift, um, and He models for us a perfect parent. He actually allows us to call Him our Father. And so this is a, so we, if we have questions about how should I do something, we have a perfect role model in that. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 127, uh, verses 3 and 4, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So children are a gift from God. And um, God designed parenthood with a particular purpose. He had a plan for mankind. God had a plan for mankind that involved us having children and parenting them responsibly. We're all called, again, to love our children. So the responsibility piece, where does that come from? Like, is there somewhere that says this is commanded of us to raise our kids in the right way. Well, of course, right? We know that. So as Christians, we take that responsibility up front because God commands it to us. So in St. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That's a command. Train, bring up your children. Train them. That's not something that is, uh, I can ignore that one. Like, I can't have children and ignore that important command that God says repeatedly throughout Scripture about training a child. <clears throat> so, to help us, like I said, there's uh, things in the Scripture and Old and New Testament, as well as very modern-day uh, writings. And then we see examples all around us. So, if you look around, there are some wonderful parents, some wonderful mothers and fathers, and some even, believe it or not, haven't had their own biological children. But they're just wonderful fathers and mothers. So we know of many fathers, for instance, who are, who are monks, bishops. We know of mothers like Mother Teresa, which we heard today in the sermon, right? So these are wonderful examples of, of parents. And then the church has a role in helping us on this journey. So what's the role of the church? 
So, you know, whether it's by way of education, of resources, of advice, there's also a role of the church body itself, other people. We have people in our congregation that have raised very righteous, virtuous, wonderful children who are now adults. They have experience to share. I look at my own life and I have, I've been very blessed. My parents are still alive and they're wonderful parents and they're a great model for me. And even like these days when I need something, I'll, I just call my dad about something and, and he'll say something and then I'll realize that he still feels this important role of being my dad, even though I have my own children. He still like, gives advice, he prays constantly. I know that, that he does that. And so the, the role of parenting can be learned um, from or shared with people in, in the church. Sunday school, that's an interesting one, right? Because we have to be very careful in our understanding of the importance of Sunday school and whether as a parent we expect the right things from Sunday school. You know, there's no doubt that the influence that Sunday school has on our children is tiny compared to what we have at home. God has given us the gift to spend inordinate amounts of time with our children, especially when they're young, at home. That's going to have a lot more influence than the time they spend in Sunday school. Even if they've had fantastic servants who come to the house, who call them and text them and do all sorts of things, taking them on outings, pray for them. Um, all of that is, is very small compared to the role of the parents. But there is a role for the church in Sunday school. So let's get a little bit more specific about some of these commands. So in the book of Proverbs, and there's many verses in the book of Proverbs about children and raising children. So one is a very famous one, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right? You see that. You hear that. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So train up a child. That indicates that there's some effort there. Right? As a parent, training, training for anything takes effort. It takes an investment of time. It takes investment of energy. It takes um, resources. It takes a lot of things. But train up the child um, is important because it's the goal, right? It's a, there's a goal there. There's an investment of, of myself in this training process. And um, it's not just that the kids are living with me for a number of years and then I have this effect on them by being around them, which I do, but there has to be an active participation in parenting. And then the part about and he, uh, train up the child in the way he should go. Who's he? The child. The child. So that means that there's a piece of this training process that involves understanding the actual child. So it's not just a one-way you know, flow of information from me as a parent to this child. There's an active part of me listening and understanding. So one example is our career, right? So some parents are like, I just want my child to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever, right? But what if the child doesn't want that? Like, what if that's not even, 
It doesn't even align with their, their talents, their goals. What does that mean? Well, this verse tells us that in the way he should go. So train him. And so there's an understanding that to be a good parent, there has to be a listening and a knowing the child. And every child is different. Sometimes there are fantastic parents that have been, they've seen great role models, they understand a lot of the elements of being a good parent, but the child is just very sensitive. That's just the way the child is. They're just very sensitive. And, and if that's not handled the right way with that particular child, that child may not benefit from the parenting style that this parent is providing. So there's a piece that, that we have to really uh, understand biblically that involves us actively training our kids, especially when they're very young, and there's this listening part, there's this engaging part, there's understanding where they want to go and helping them out. Um, and then this, when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? So we see sometimes that our kids listen and obey, and they're like perfectly behaved up until about the age of like 12, maybe 13. And then for some reason, they stop listening. And it's because we really haven't trained them in the best way, perhaps. Again, I didn't say we did something wrong to them. But sometimes you'll get this. You'll, you'll get a child who seems like a perfectly behaved youngster. They're quiet all the time. They don't cause trouble. They're not doing badly in school. And all of a sudden, around the age of 12 or 13, they stop listening. And they go off in a completely different direction. You're like, what did I do wrong? Like, what? what did I do? So <clears throat> our goal, again, is to train in the way he wants to go so when he is old, he or she, they don't depart from that. So the church teaches us our responsibility as parents from very early on. So when we have our children and we bring them here as infants to be baptized, we take an oath, right? During baptism, we take an oath um, that we're going to raise the child in the teachings and the faith, right? And we're going we're gonna to plant that in them, these Christian values. So we put a large effort on this responsibility. We see it from the church. The church says, if you're going to have this child and he's going to be in the church and you're going to bring him here to be baptized, this isn't like free. There's a responsibility. And there's a responsibility that you have to take an oath to. As a matter of fact, I have to like raise my hand. To raise my hand as an oath during the baptism of my children to say, like, I swear that I will do this and this and this and this. That's a promise. That's a command. That's how I have to end up being held accountable when my days are done. When my days are done, God's going to hold me accountable for the oath that I took while my kids were like infants. So, like we said, God models for us parenthood in the purest way, and he allows us to even call him father. And that's a really good example for dads in particular, Dads in particular, we look at God as our pure example of fatherhood. And that is a really tall order for us. You know, that he, that he died, that, that he's providing, that he's patient, that he's kind, that he listens, he's forgiving. He sets rules, he holds us accountable, 
He punishes sometimes. He guides um, with a very long timeline. It's not immediate. You know, I didn't do this now, boom. And he doesn't exactly, you know, sometimes with our kids, you find that sometimes as parents or certain types of parents will, will lay out a, a chastisement or a punishment for the child, and it's totally not, you know, not equivalent to the, the thing that the child did. God doesn't do that with us. God doesn't say, oh, you lied, huh? Boom. There it is. You're going to lose your eyesight. I'm like, what? what? What do you mean? I... God doesn't do that, but sometimes as parents, we do that. We like, we can, we can, we can forget God's example for us. And then for motherhood, we look at the church, which is very similar, right? But the ideal of motherhood is, is the church. But many of us, you know, can start with great intentions. For all sorts of reasons, we can get distracted along our way. And um, whether it's work or other responsibilities or health reasons or addictions or distractions of any type, and so we don't continue in the don't continue in the part about the active training of our kids. We'll still be providers. I'm still going to bring a lot of money home, and I'm going to have a great house, and I'm going to make sure my kids are fed, and I'm going to work an extra job if I have to to make sure that they have a good education, and so on and so on. But that kind of building of a financial security shouldn't come at a cost that the kids are less raised by us. Our kids don't get the closeness from us that they need sometimes. And, and so we see this, right? We see that parents are very well-intentioned, but the distractions, because this is a fallen world that we live in, happen. And so, you know, I shouldn't be like really happy, maybe I shouldn't be really happy, if my one-year-old knows how to really navigate the iPad, goes right to the YouTube videos that they want, are completely silent sitting in the corner looking at these videos. Like I've outsourced the parenting piece. Now if it's just for a few minutes a day, that's fine. But, you know, there are many times that our children, if we stop, can be raised by other people other than us, right? Whether it's television, my day it was television, right? Kids probably don't watch as much television anymore, but, but television or computers or other people, right? Kids are on play dates many times, and that's okay and healthy until it's not, until it becomes like an outsourcing of parenting because I'm busy. Why? Because I have a lot of errands to run, and when he's at Johnny's house, I can run those errands. So I'm just going to put him there for a while, and I'll pay them back later, you know, and so on and so on. I'm not trying to find particular faults, but the general sense is when... When I'm asked in front of the Lord that I do the, the right investment, I have to stop and check myself and say, if my child doesn't turn out the way I thought or wanted, that may be okay, but is there a part of that that I didn't do? Did I miss anything and outsource the parenting of my children to some other entity, be it a YouTube video or other people, or school, or friends, or the like. So, and these are tough questions, right? So the question, what I'm really saying is ask ourselves, who's raising our kids? 
And this isn't one of those doom and gloom kind of talks because believe me, I'm on almost every single day feel like I'm a very bad parent, truly. This is a very humbling experience to be up here trying to, to engage this tough conversation with you guys. Um, so let's talk about, like we said, there are several factors that affect um, how kids turn out as it relates to parenting. We're going to touch upon parenting styles in a very broad brushstroke standpoint. So again, there are people that are family therapists and psychologists that know this very intimately. And this is categorical, which means that it doesn't mean that one parenting style is only specific to this type of person. By that I mean a parent can have several different styles of parenting on different days, different circumstances, and how the kids turn out may be a combination of that. But this is just for us to kind of think about in, in a bigger sense. Um, and like I said, this is based on research, and it's been debated, this idea of nature versus nurture. From a psychobiological standpoint, we have an understanding that it's a 50-50 split. And this is by doing lots of twin research, right? There's twins have been studied for generations now, and people are trying to find out, do twins... Is it, a, is it something genetic, that's how people turn out, or is it the environment they're raised in? And the answer is both, quite equally. Okay, so there's a, there's a genetic component, and there is the environment that they're in. And we realize that some kids, like I said, are very quiet, and some kids are very headstrong. And sometimes they're in the same house. You have one child, and that child is so quiet, and they're growing up and you're like, wow, this is so easy. I love being a parent. I love this. Having children is, is a joy from God. You know, like you're, and then you have the second child and you're like, what happened? Why me? <laughs> or we, in our human nature, look at other people. I'm like, what, why can't my kids be like those kids? They're just like sitting there quietly in church and my kids are like under the seat. And why is that, right? So, Again, kids are different. Kids are very, very different. And the parenting styles that I'm going to talk about, again, are just more broad, but it gives us a perspective and a chance to think about some things. One thing is, what are our parents, if they're still alive, we think back, what are our parents like? How were we raised? We were raised in a different generation, obviously, than now, but some of this still stands, right? And also, before I get into this, understanding that the research that was done on this obviously didn't con um, was replicated, but as they tried to replicate certain pieces of it in other cultures, it didn't really fit in the same way that it fit in the American culture where this was studied. So, for instance, one of the styles we're going to talk about first is this authoritarian parent, right? My way or the highway. Kids should be seen and not heard. Very punishing and commanding type. Well, if you look at the children that grow up from parents or houses, parents are like, those kids don't do well academically at all. And we'll talk about that. But in other cultures, many of those kids do just fine and quite well academically if they're supported by a peer group who had similar parents, if that makes sense. Right? So if, you're, if your parents are really strict 
and they want school, 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 and study, 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 and then there's this other kids in the culture, they're all used to that. And one of the examples is the Asian cultures, very much like that. Those kids academically may be fine, or actually quite successful. But let's talk about that. When they talk about styles of parenting, it's based on a balance between love and control, like love and warmth and control as in demanding. And there are four types. There's the authoritarian, which is control only. There's permissive, which is love only. There's the negligent or uninvolved parent, which has neither of those. And then the best kind we know is the, is the authoritative. And authoritative parents are a, are a good balance of love and control. So the authoritarian, like we said, there's just a high command. Oh, gosh, the kids are coming in. Okay. So there's the high command and demand kind of parent. Um, often they'll set very specific rules. The punishments are laid out very easily to understand. Those kids know that if they break the rules, they're going to be punished. Sometimes the punishments, or many times the punishments, are not meant to be just corrective. Sometimes the punishments are made to, to, to point out that the child was wrong, right? That's an authoritarian parent. It could be severe. Those parents are very controlling, and the kids come out a little afraid. So the personality of the child is weak, and they um, lack a confidence and self-esteem, and so it depends on them, but many times they'll have trouble making decisions, and they lack maturity, right? So children that come out of homes where the parents are very authoritarian often have trouble making decisions. They have a, there's a weakness inside them. They're afraid. And at times when those kids grow up, they can also be quite rebellious. They'll flip a switch and they're out of there. So they don't, they don't, um, they just want to rebel against authority, whether it's God or the church or the government or school or whatnot. Remember when we said that God's that perfect model of fatherhood, um, this is a danger built into an authoritarian style of parenting. Why is that? Because uh, children can often look at their parents and feel like this is what God must be like. So you'll hear things like, God's angry with me. I feel like God doesn't love me. That kind of stuff. And so that's um, an understanding that we have to have about that particular parenting style. St. Paul speaks about this in Colossians, uh, in Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And he says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. He says it also in another letter to the Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And he says, and you fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Don't provoke means don't intimidate. Don't intimidate your children. Don't make them so angry. Don't be so authoritarian that... Um, that you, we only want to focus on authority. 
there has to be a piece of love there. There has to be a piece of listening there. So that's one parenting style. Again, this is very brief. The second one is permissive. So the first one is pretty much control only or mostly. The second one is love only or mostly. So we know this is not an inherently wrong. Actually, it's favored to love our children. But how about showing only love with very little or no discipline at all? That means I may even set out some rules, but if the child doesn't really follow them, I'm very permissive and not punishing, not carrying through. They can talk me out of it so easily. I'm kind of a pushover. Why? Well, I love them so much. I love my kids. I just want to hug them all day long. I want to kiss them all day long. Okay, but that's not necessarily bad. Parents give kids what they want and what the child demands in this kind of household. Um, by that, I mean kids are the authority in the house. And the parents are often more friends to the kids than their actual parents. So, like, I, I, punishing kids is hard. Setting rules is hard. Carrying through with punishments is harder than you imagine until you have to do it. So, it's easier to be my, my kid's friend only, not the parent. So, how do these kids turn out? They don't learn responsibility. They don't do well in school and academics, usually. The kids learn that if they don't want to truly make an effort, it's okay. And then they realize later in life that that's not okay because that's not how the world works. So holding down a job may be a little bit more difficult for somebody who grew up in a home without, here's the responsibility, and if you don't do this, this will happen. But then if this doesn't happen, then nothing happens, and it's okay. And then in real life, it's like you showed up late to work three times that, this whole week. You're gone. You're fired. Um, they don't learn how to be responsible when challenges of life come, and this isn't the intent of the parent. Remember, parents like this style, they're very permissive, they're very loving. Of course, they don't want their children to fail, but this is a challenge. So this idea of, of punishment, right, or chastisement, or, you know, if you don't do this, what? Is there anything in the Bible that says that that's what's asked of us? Then we go back to Proverbs again. So in the Bible, it's very clear examples of some parents who don't discipline their kids. We know of the big example of Eli, right? Eli the priest. And how, you know, his condemnation about how his, turned, his kids turned out. But Proverbs 29, 15 says, now I'm going to just preface this by saying, when they use the word rod in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily mean physically beating your children, Peter. <laughs> Sorry, Peter was making hand motions of beating in the back. The rod, again, the Bible doesn't mean literally. The rod and, so the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself, that means a child without discipline or control, brings shame to his mother. So, the right amount of rule setting and punishment and rebuke give wisdom. And children that don't have that are ashamed to their mother. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction, again, not literal, 
it means the concept of discipline, will drive it far from him. You know, so kids don't know wisdom, right? When they're little, they don't know wisdom. They learn it. But if parents don't set that rule up, then there's the potential for that problem to happen. And again, there's another one in Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. And again, for if you beat him with a rod, not literal, he will not die. It says that. He's not going to die. So when we tell our kids this is wrong, this is wrong, the child's not going to die if I tell them this is wrong and this is what you have to do. It's what God asked us to do. So then briefly, we're going to get into a third parenting style, which is negligent. Negligent is the worst kind. And unfortunately, especially in the modern day, it happens more often than we think because of people's life and balance and lack of balance. So no parent goes out, goes forward with having children and expects to be a negligent parent. Negligent just means they're not around. They're not listening, they're not providing love, and they're not providing discipline. Those kids really are destined for becoming very unruly individuals. Uh, and this idea happens because either work is pulling both parents away. So sometimes it'll be one parent who's very absent or negligent, but the other parent is very engaged. And those children come out much better. But say there's two working parents who are very de devoted to their careers, and there's no love or discipline or anything in that house. Or say there's, a, a, say there's mental health problems in the parents, severe depression. They're so depressed. They have no energy or love to give to the kids, no discipline, no nothing. Or there's other problems. So the kids are the victims here in this kind of household, and they grow up uh, very rebellious and undisciplined, and they often will go the wrong way down the road, because they'll look for that. Children will look for love if they haven't found it at home later, especially if it's merged with lack of discipline. And by the word discipline, it just means knowing that every decision that they make has a consequence. So if kids don't have love and they need it and they look for it, and they don't know that there's a consequence to a bad decision, you can understand how that can go wrong very quickly. So what's the last parenting style? The authoritative. Remember, that? not authoritarian, authoritative. And again, by the way, you guys could just look these up. They're written about extensively. So this is that fine balance of love and compassion um, with authority. And that means when the kids are younger, we teach them how to respect rules. These are the rules of the house. This is what we do. And to be very compliant, especially up until about the age of six or so, we often ex like just lay out the rules and teach our kids rule following. After that, as they get a little older, we explain to them why. Like, why is this done this way? In the beginning, they don't understand. If they put their hand on a hot stove, they won't necessarily understand. And we're not going to let them put their hand on a hot stove to just let them feel it. That's not how it's done. But later, we explain a lot of the whys. Why is this happening? So kids that have authoritative parents grow up to be responsible and mature and emotionally mature, and they, they become very good decision makers, very good. They do well in school, and they do very well in groups and relationships. They understand how to deal with other people. In Proverbs 19, chasing your child while there is hope. That means while it's not too late to start disciplining. 
And do not set your heart on his destruction. That means don't be too harsh or controlling. So those are just some very basic uh, words on parenting styles. I'm going to wrap it up here because the kids probably won't let us talk too much longer. Um, if this subject is interesting to folks, there are many resources that I would definitely encourage people to go out and, and seek. Um, we have some books in the bookstore here. Online, there's a lot of resources. If you like listening to things, there are some things said by St. John Chrysostom. Obviously, you're not going to hear his voice. You'll hear somebody else narrating what he wrote. But you can read or, or hear some of that. Um, you know, and even many of the, the priests nowadays will give very wonderful priests and others. Many churches now have a whole series of parenting talks. We can start a series if that's what people want. Um, His Grace Bishop Yusuf, I know that loves to talk about this, so you'll see very, a lot of sermons by His Grace. One of the things I want to wrap up with is just to say that in our community here, in our church here, this is our responsibility. We are all, many of us have kids that are in the back room right now or in Sunday schools and wrapping up. This is a shared, a shared vision for our church, that we love our kids, that we want what's best for our kids. We want to be excellent parents. We want to work together. By that also, I mean we want to be supportive of each other. We want to help each other in this process of parenting because this isn't easy. To be forgiving and understanding, lending a hand, all those things. Every family has their own set of struggles. We know that. Um, we just not know the actual struggles. But God asks us that this body, this body support each other in this topic of raising children. So when God said it in the Old Testament, he had a very particular command. The greatest command uh, was what? So in the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 6, the Lord spoke about this greatest command, and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. We know this. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. Listen to this part. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by your way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the command of our Lord, that we train up our children to do these very same things. And this is a long journey. And if we have parents that are still alive, they'll still be imparting words of wisdom on us about this journey. Um, we need to be also very understanding of ourselves. Um, our kids look at us as an example, but it, we don't want to necessarily be the example in front of them if it's causing me an internal moral struggle or an internal struggle. It's better for me to be genuine in front of my child. And when I make a mistake, which I do all the time, that they see that, that they see that their father struggles and how he or their mother 
overcomes that struggle in a real way. Because then when they grow up and they start to struggle and fall, and they will fall, they see that example of someone that they trust and love, their parent, who also is very real to them. You know, dad has a temper, but I've seen dad really try hard. And when he yelled at me, I always watched him come back. I wished he wouldn't yell at me, but he always came back and said, I'm really sorry I shouldn't have yelled at you. That wasn't right of me to do that. That's a wonderful example of being a parent, right? It's an honest example. It's, it's what God asks us to do because this journey is long. So we're going to wrap up here and just say that let's continue in love for each other and for our kids. Um, one of the most important things, if you forget everything else I said, is prayer, right? This journey needs prayer, and it needs a lot more, much, much more prayer than we ever thought we would need as parents. And if you want to know that, just ask others who are older and have, have adult children, how much do they still pray for their kids? And you're like, wow, I'm going to have to pray for this kid until he's, yes, until he's that old. Because that's what God asks us to do. And glory be to God forever. Amen. I'm afraid to open it up for questions. Peter warned me, who runs this meeting, by the way. Peter said, don't ask questions. There's no time for that. We'll wrap it up. But what we could do is... Uh, it's because it has to be recorded. Uh, okay, maybe we'll have time for one question or so. But again, I wanted to just be this like a starter of a conversation that we have over several different adult meetings, and we'll get more specific. But if people like this topic or have particular things about this topic or questions that they want to be answered or talked about as a group, please let, uh, let me or Peter or Archdeacon Mark know. Okay, there's no questions. Thank you. Let's stand up to pray.